Welcome back to The Lives of Writers, a podcast presented by Autofocus, a literary publisher of artful autobiographical writing, which you can find today at autofocuslit.com or on Twitter and Instagram at autofocuslit. I am the publisher of Autofocus, Michael Wheaton. Today on the show, I talk with Amy Fusselman. Amy Fusselman is the author of five books. Her latest, The Means, is her first novel. Her previous four books, all nonfiction, have been translated into several languages. Her articles and essays have appeared in the New York Times, The Atlantic, The Washington Post, and many other places. All right, let's get to it. This is my conversation with Amy Fusselman. I love that you actually have this intro. I think it that is a really nice way to just sort of let people hang themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, you know, because so often it's just like, okay, talk about your book, which is hard. Like, why is it so hard? I don't know. I've nothing. I've like nothing to say about it. Oh, I'll get it out of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will because you're talented at this. Awesome. So, um, yeah, so I'm in New York. I did some promotion. I had great highs and great lows. I'm just sort of like recalibrating after some travel. It's kind of like after, you know, in August, like before the book comes out, it's like, gee, what the hell's going to happen? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, by December, it's like, okay, that happened. Um, what do we, how do we feel about all that? You know, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I think I'm still like processing. Um, I don't know it, it, how common this is or like, cause books are so strange. They happen, you know, uh, they're intimate, like one-on-one. It's like, did everybody like that giant pan of lasagna I made? Like <laughs> you'd, you'd have to talk to each person about like their feelings about mozzarella. Like it's a choice you make being a writer that you are going to be kind of isolated from the response unless you're like a haunter of fucking Goodreads, which <laughs> is like a path straight to hell. So I try not to do that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, it's not, a, it's not, there's no stage performance. It's not, you don't get an immediate read. So there's a little bit of that, like, gee, I hope they, I hope they got it, you know. Yeah. Um, some, some people didn't, you know. I can tell some people did. I don't, you know. Right. You just onward, yeah. What's next? Like, <laughs> so there's kind of, there's kind of that. Yeah. And um, does it get tiring? I know, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big book, and there's a lot of people who want to talk to you about. It oh and, well, and I mean, it. I feel like, you know, what is it like? Um, because I feel like I tried something like two things that were so different, like a being over, like, I'm going to try to be funny, a Mm -hmm. rather than accidentally funny and B I'm going to write a novel. So those were two big decisions and I feel good about both of them. Like, I feel like I did what I wanted to do, which is ultimately all you can, you know, you like, how do you measure these things? Like, were you did you like the lasagna? You know, <laughs> like, um, so it's very gratifying. I mean, trying to write something funny was, um, as I was hoping, it's very gratifying for me to like feel that I reached people on that level that, you know, the book was something that they found funny or that they laughed out loud. I mean, I think it's very hard 
it's very difficult to make people laugh at a book. It's like mm -hmm. the bar is so low for humor and literature. It's like, not that there haven't been like genius works of, you know, comedy, but just that like, if somebody puts sort of like a funny aside, it's like, you know, it's shelved in like humor. I just think it's people who really want to do humor are like doing stand up. Do you know what I mean? Right. They're not, yeah. they're not like toiling away on the couch. Well, this reader, as you know, <laughs> absolutely loves the loves the book so we don't have to worry oh, about asking anyone else about the lasagna for now um but i love the lasagna and thanks michael you know it's 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 interesting to me to think about like you live your life kind of writing this thing and writing this thing and then you go through the whole process of like setting it up to get it published and then like the thing comes out right it must seem like it's such like a big deal when it comes out but then like your life right next to it is just <laughs> kind of like going on in its normal yeah. way and then there's just this is like bubble right. of like you being public kind of like kind of right next right. to it right yeah and it's over in like you know 36 hours i mean it's strange yeah. but i like writing i mean i like what writing allows so yeah I'm, am I working on writing? Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think about you now kind of in your career, right? Like you said, you flipped to novel and I like how you said like purposefully funny and not accidentally funny. Um, and I do, I kind of want to talk about that yeah. in a little bit, you know, and then this is coming after four works of nonfiction. Um, the, previous one that kind of bl blends into fiction a little bit mm -hmm. yeah um and you know as you know those four books you know are huge for me in my life and in my writing um and so i kind of want to go back <laughs> to you know childhood and kind of growing up and you know how your interest in reading and writing developed and ultimately led to you working in this you know, I think at the time, like very weird, um, personal, literary, nonfiction writing, mm. these like ultra brief books. Yeah. You know, how did this all, <laughs> you know, I think about, I, I think about you at that time, you know, I, I wasn't very aware even of, of the genre, you know, as, as, as you know, I came to your work later. Um, and I just, yeah, I just, I want to hear the story. Oh man. I don't... <laughs> how did little Amy, how did, how did little Amy become you know, writer Amy? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, I guess like, um, I'm not someone who, I, right, I'm thinking about Alexandra Petri right now, whose work I'm reading. Um, she's this very like brilliant, like, uh, humor columnist, satirist for the Washington Post. And she has this extraordinary background of, um, you know, growing up in, just being completely like verbally gifted and, you know, going, uh, her father was a congressman and like going to Harvard and, you know, just, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm thinking of her because that to me is somebody who's like, has a scholarly, like she did like early on, she's, she was like a lover of books. She, you know, and it, that just really wasn't my path. Like, um, I'm not, not to say that I'm not a lover of books. I am. But I don't have that kind of, uh, I don't know, like I just sat in my room and read for my entire life and then I decided I wanted to imitate it. I mean, in all honesty, I feel like the thing that was most crucial for me was, you know, the fact that I was sexually abused. Like that was 
like a like a wound that really set me up for um, believing in writing in a way that's probably <laughs> unhealthy, like <laughs> unrealistic. But um, you know, because I like kept the secret from my family and um, you know had this sort of terrible truth that I. I mean, I do think that one of the reasons that I kept it for so long was that I was, you know, rightly convinced that I, I wouldn't be believed and that would have, you know, undone me. So mm -hmm. um, I believed I had like, I sort of, you know, I, I held on to myself as best I could like through that experience and in it was really fostered a belief that I, had something important to say that would change, <laughs> that would, you know, the fantasy is that it would, um, people would listen and they would change their mm -hmm. behavior or, or that something would happen, you know? And so that's a powerful belief in expression, you know, to have. And um, when I started writing, like, as a teen, you know, naturally, lit, I mean, I started writing poetry as a lot of, like, teen girls do. And um, because I had, you know, my stuff, my family was pretty shut down. And, um, you know, my stuff, of course, was, like, super emotional. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I had a lot of work to do to sort of put that, like, trauma behind me. But... Um, I do think that that was really like the formative thing for me. Like what would have, what would I have done if that hadn't been a part of my experience? I'd probably just be like a, you know, probably a skating coach in like Colorado. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What is, what, what is it about books for you against, you know, other mediums? Cause I know, you know, music is huge for you too. And performing arts but what particularly about books you know is it the is it the intimacy it's do you think yeah and also the i mean let's not forget like the control you know hmm. like um loneliness control <laughs> like yeah. you know you don't i mean at least i don't writing is a pretty private place and um i don't like to talk to people when i'm really working on stuff i'm not sharing my shit every minute I, I enjoy I enjoy like that solitude of it. Um, I like to go there, so to, you know. So I think that was just something like writing was a way of viewing my. Um, I mean, I had this sort of like I was this quiet, this silent. I was silent, but it was a way of imbuing the silence with like a beauty and a meaning, like that's what writing was for me and it still is it really still is yeah and and what of and what of like you know the courage to share it yeah well you know, when you do <laughs> that kind of work you know it's one thing to write it to yourself and to dig in and go there right and then it's another whole step to become comfortable and confident enough in the art of it um to share it yeah you know? and and that's something that I think probably I know I do yeah <laughs> a lot of people who even are sharing it still you know struggle with can you think of like when in your life you kind of felt ready to take that leap and say you know this thing that I'm doing alone in my room for myself I'm actually doing artfully mm. and I think people should read it or at least that I want 
I want people to read it. Yeah. Do you know kind of when that happened for you? Um, well, I don't know that. I think what happened is that like the desire to express it overrode the fear of being rejected. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just like, I have to do this even if people think I'm an idiot because <laughs> I have to. And music mm -hmm. was super helpful in terms of like taking baby steps towards like I'm using my voice, I'm constructing things, I'm writing, you know, it was like practice, even though um, I wasn't the singer in the band that I was in, to just feel like, especially in, you know, the punk era, like, it's okay that I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm not like a virtuoso, like just the fact that I have this desire to make things and I have ideas make is legitimate, you know? Yeah. And you know, I know later, I think, and as we talked about the last time I talked to you briefly, you know, you did a zine, mm -hmm. uh, Bunny Rabbit, right? Yeah. And that was, I guess that was you saying to yourself or to everyone, you know, this is me. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Right. I wasn't really ready to be rejected. You know, I wasn't ready to send shit out to, you know, poetry places and be told that it sucked. Like, so again, the like, you know... I'm probably a poster child for like doing shit alone in your bedroom, really. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, but it felt, you know, it was a place to experiment. I had fun. It didn't cost much, you know, but I mean, yeah, I was also, you know, I got sober. So that was, mm. you know, it's, it's amazing how your life opens up, you know, <laughs> amazing how mm. much time you have. Yeah. So it was a good place to put all that. That's interesting to me in some ways that, getting sober in a way helped you with overcoming the fear of putting the stuff out. Oh, right. I know. Because I think, you know, in a way it's like why people mm -hmm. drink or at sure. least you know, when I drink, <laughs> when I drink unhealthily in some ways. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's fear of thinking about or doing what I don't want to do. So it's, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to me that I guess the sobriety means you faced it. <laughs> like you had to face it now. Well, you become certainly comfortable going through things like without, you know, and, and anesthetizing yourself or you become more comfortable or you accept that it's, you know, it's just going to, this is the way it has to be if I'm going to get anything done. But um, I mean, also, you know, there's a huge like, the, I mean, my I got my MA in poetry, but really what the only thing that happened during that period was that I got sober. That's like all that, <laughs> that I got at the like right before I graduated, I started, you know, I um I acknowledged my problem and that was like really I don't remember anything I barely remember it it's just that I started going to meetings in Boston yeah mm. and before we even get to meetings I want to talk a little bit about the first four books a, a little bit kind of their links but I know at some point you did Ohio Edit mm -hmm. which was a magazine or online magazine mm -hmm. and and you did some books I think yeah well, right? I published two books yeah so i've heard this in bits and pieces and as i told you before i didn't even know about that it existed until recently so i i want to hear the story of ohio edit <laughs> um how and where it kind of grew out of and then you know how eventually you know closing it down or whatever happened mm -hmm. yeah you know. i well like you like you know publishing is fun there's so much great stuff that doesn't get published, you know, yeah. and a lot of it is done by your friends. You know what I mean? Like, 
why can't I do this? Like, uh, you know, it's like that, again, that kind of like um, feeling of like, this is, you know, I can get a website. Like what? Yeah. So there, I've had a couple publishing projects. Like I did, after Bunny Rabbit, I did this thing, an online journal called Surgery of Modern Warfare, which I took, That's I amazing. took the title from like, <laughs> Frank had gotten the this book with that title from the flea market. And I was thinking, well, if I just run out of content, I can just like, you know, scan these images because they're amazing. <laughs> it's all, yeah. yeah. And um, so I published, I did that for a while. Like I published like once a week. I mean, it was insane, but it was a project and I met a lot of people. And um, I think I had like, I can't, if I had one kid or the first kid, but the, I, yeah, it was basically what happened is I would do these publishing projects and then I would get overwhelmed and then I would stop. So that's how, <laughs> after I, surgery of modern warfare ended, like I started, I had, you know, somehow childcare got more manageable and then I started Ohio Edit. And that again was like a cast off name from Frank. It had been the name of um, his editing company that he had oh, really? closed and he's like, well, I have this domain <laughs> name. Why don't you use that? And I was like, okay. And so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So, and that, yeah. And I published, um, I mean, you are like, how much do I admire what you're doing with autofocus? Oh, the you. books that I just, I told you, I read, um, Holly's Holly's. Yeah. And it was amazing, but I did so one by uh, John Michael Frank, which I love his stuff that was called uh, How's Everything Going? Not Good. And then one by Gilmore Tamney, who's just like a great artist um, that's called Haiku for You. And both of them I love. They're great. So, yeah. But then it was like, wait, I can't do everything again. Mm -hmm. So I stopped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How long was it for Ohio Edit? Like. A few years at least. Yeah. 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 I'm fighting against any impulse. To stop? <laughs> to stop. Yeah. I, I can't. I'm also kind yeah. of like, I think it's just, I don't know. I'm like an addict. Yeah. <laughs> some right. Ways. And I like, uh, I don't, I'm really stubborn. <laughs> I'm yes. Like really, not that, not to say that <laughs> you're not, but I'm like, no, I don't know. I'm just afraid to let go. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I mean, and I, the work you're doing is so great and it's oh, so great. satisfying. It's like, I did that, you know, like, <laughs> God damn it. Right? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I've described it to people as like micro dosing, putting out my own book. <laughs> like ah, a bunch of times I get to work like really hard that. on a book with somebody and then they get to put it out and I feel like the sense of, like, yeah. but, but I also don't have to take the baggage with it. So it's like, I'm just like yes. taking the really nice part of it and then yeah. I'm leaving the rest to them. <laughs> right. Yay. Well, it's sort of like, you know, if you're, a, if you like to champion or cheerlead, which is something I like, you know, it feels, just feels really good to encourage other people, like in a yeah. way that's really concrete, you know? Yeah. Go, go. <laughs> don't, don't do what I did, Michael. Stay on your path. <laughs> yeah, I'll try. I'll try my best. Um, but so, you know, the first, four of your books which i mentioned are in you know its own little world of literary nonfiction, and um this is the pharmacist may ate savage park and idiophone and you know one thing that's so great about the books to me is one they're just beautifully brief <laughs> but also that they're that there's a that they're linked in all these kind of different 
in, in meaningful ways, I think, you know, like, I think the unseen is kind of big in your work and life and death at the bottom, at the bottom of it. Um, you know, parenting, um, risk is big, um, play, but they seem to really communicate such a defined worldview. And you mentioned, you know, the, the accidental humor, <laughs> you know, of these books, because that's when I think about your work, I think about writing about some of the hardest things to write about either with language or you know thinking about the unseen or like within yourself um but you do it with just this like levity that is like extremely disarming and endearing and i don't want to like i guess it, uh, accessible i know it's such like a dirty word to some people but i mean it's just welcoming it just like welcomes you <laughs> into the world and the and the things happening and, and you know like you you mentioned you know the sexual abuse and then like in eight which you know a book that if you were to describe it to someone would sound like it would have no levity at all and it's oddly one of the most <laughs> you know the, the books with the most uh levity in some ways like there's just these like lines that are, you know, like one of my favorite lines in that book, which is just in a way, probably a throwaway line to you, but you just start a section. You're like, pedophiles are crazy. Like it's <laughs> just like the understatement of like the fucking millennium, you know? And yeah. it's like a sentence that you would write down and a writing teacher would be like, you can't say that. But, but, but it's so, it's just so funny. And like, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. and then it's like, <laughs> Enter my world where, you know, even pedophiles are, you know, strange and interesting and <laughs> worth looking at. You know, it's something it's somewhat of, to me of like a, a, a magic trick that you that you do with this. You know, so I, to me, I guess my question is like, to what extent was it really accidental? <laughs> you know, like when you look, think about the, the humor within the things you're writing about. Do you really f do you really feel that it was totally accidental or do you? do you feel like you do purposefully imbue or does it just like come out like that to you? Well, I remember, it's funny that you I was like, oh yeah, I remember writing that line and I <laughs> just remember feeling like, oh yeah, I love this. You know, <laughs> like, I mean, I guess when I say accidental, what I mean is there wasn't a part in my brain where I was like, let's try to like make this humorous. Like I don't, I didn't view it as a goal, you mm. know? It was like, I like humor and I'm writing, you know, I have to please myself first, really, you know, I'm sitting here. So, um, you know, stuff has gone that way, but it wasn't like thinking, really thinking like, how can this be funny? Like, and maybe that's, you know, I don't know. It's, I'm still, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, comedy's weird. But um, I, when I say accidental, I just mean, um, Maybe like incidental. Yeah, or intuitive, but not mm -hmm. like like trying to frame a scene around comedy so much. You know, just I I had I think my goals were more lyrical and psychological rather than comical. Yeah. Yeah, and those four books, like I do feel there's a through line of concerns. I think. Yeah, yeah. The concern. I mean, I guess it's like, I mean, I know you know in in writing them too, like it was like the pharmacist mate was like, okay, this is 
this is about this is my grief this is grief you know and then i had to get the sexual abuse stuff out of the way with eight there was mm. i had to write it so it was like okay i did that and then you know with savage park i would really had like a period after where i was like am i supposed to be writing like parenting books like what <laughs> like i felt like i had really said some stuff that mattered to me there but and then i wasn't sure like you know like wait what you know where to go and um so idiophone was like important most probably the most important like personally just in terms of moving my work at least for me forward like you know that i took a baby step into uh you know for better or worse i'm going to call it fiction like mm -hmm. that you know that i allowed myself to go to those places was like okay this is reminding me of like why writing is maze balls. Like this is why I'm in the game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what about the decision to move totally in, into that direction? If you would say kind of a little more about it, was there something that you were working on that was personal and you were just like, eh, not like, yeah, kind of over it? Or were you just like ready to, did you feel like maybe, did you feel like you'd wrote about the stuff you wanted to write about and you're like, I don't have any, Thing to add to it at the moment or was it you know or was it really just a pull to the fiction and humor well i think it's like you know fiction felt for a long time i just i mean i started like with poetry just like i don't understand that fiction shit you know <laughs> like what are they doing i just didn't get i mean of course i read a ton and but like in terms of making it i did not get it i just didn't get it like and i i find i felt finally like a i have to try it i mean i'm gonna die how can i call myself a writer if i haven't fucking tried the major form you know there's <laughs> there's some of that so and then there was also like i have some understanding now i think of like what they're doing you know what they're that what the built form is like i kind of i see it you know so i thought i could take a crack at it you know it's what is it what do you call it? it's hubris basically <laughs> I can do it. Mm -hmm. um, I can publish that book. Yeah. Yeah. And I and you did. And it is very funny. And, you know, it's not a hyperbole for at least me to say it's it's probably the funniest book I've ever read. And oh, if, man, if, Michael. If, if the measurement is how much I audibly laughed, <laughs> you know, or or smiled, which is the only measurement I could think to use. I mean, it really was. I, I mean, I knew you were funny. I knew you were funny. <laughs> but I wasn't quite ready for how funny it was so often, you know? That pedophiles are crazy line was great, but wait, wait but until what, she writes about it. Yeah. Where do you read yeah. about the thing in the The attic. Hamptons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, you know, and I think about, you know, basically, I want to talk, before we really get into the book, I really want to talk about humor and kind of laughing in general. Um, for a little bit, you know, and I think about the book and you stayed in first person. <laughs> yeah, not ready to let that go yeah. yet. Um, you know, with a fictional fictional narrator. And I and I think about, you know, the thing in comedy where, you know, the what do they call it? Like the the normal person in the absurd situation or the absurd person in the normal situation. Mm -hmm. Is it normal? It's not normal. I forget what the uh, is. I don't know. Yeah, but I I know I know what you're talking about. I don't know the right terminology yeah. either. And I try to think about the narrator Shelley Means <laughs> yeah. in that. 
because in some ways she's absurd but in some ways the situation's absurd but and then yeah. it makes me think of like it kind of makes me think that in this book which when you were working on you described to me as a funny book about capitalism it's almost like is there such thing as like a, a normal person in an absurd situation or is there a person in a normal situation at all right because right. the setting of i guess capitalism for lack of a better way to say it renders yeah. everything absurd yeah right, <laughs> right? did yeah. you i guess when you were coming up with you know shelly did you did you think of her as like an absurd character or you know did you not even really think about it in those terms like did you think i guess not just her but did you think about then the setting i guess as absurd right well i did want to like the setting was really you know important like i was part of the goal was like if somebody was aware like if they just went through their daily life like aware <laughs> of like what you know is happening in this landscape i mean that to me was just interesting like can i peel back like every bit of this and make it visible it's not like i wanted shelly to be a straight man like i wanted her to be also batshit like batshit <laughs> in the way capitalism makes you like i really want fucking something i can't afford you know <laughs> like so the, yeah it's like batshit in batshit for sure yeah and you know i know from other interviews i think uh, that you, for a period, were doing stand-up as like an experiment. And yeah. so would you tell me a little about when when you were doing that? I guess, and why? I mean, well, not, that, yeah. not that there needs to be a why, but, no, you no, know, kind well, of what prompted it maybe? Yeah, well, the decision of like, when I decided like, okay, I want to write something funny, was like, I don't really know what's funny. Like, what's funny? I don't know. Like, I thought I'd better learn how to like write a joke at least, which is like, I still haven't really learned that. It's really friggin' hard, you know? <laughs> like, so all that was, um, diff you know, I, I would like, I mean, I should do it again. Like, it's just one of those things that's really helpful, I think, to when you're experimenting or to like try out material or, you know, to see what resonates. I mean, it's just a really useful dovetailing activity with trying to write something comical. This was how many years ago? Like 2018 when I really started thinking I'm gonna go in this direction. So yeah. that was kind of the thing you did before the book? Yeah, like I was writing notes. I was writing about the book. Like I was taking, it starts, I start with like note taking, you mm -hmm. know, and, but, and I was doing this. I mean, the stand up didn't like none of the material in the stand up. I, I mean, stand up was hard because it reminded me like a lot of the reasons why I had chosen writing, you know, because like the, the problem for me with stand up is that like I'm, I felt, like I'm in a female body, you know, and like, mm -hmm. it's hard. The female body is a problem, you know, <laughs> like it's a problem as a delivery mechanism, you know, like I ended up sort of like going way into talking about sex in my standup because I felt like I couldn't deal with the fact that like, it was like, you know, I'm, this is probably for my shrink. You're my shrink, Michael, but it was like, <laughs> 
I'm, I can't deal with being a woman up here and feel, and being aware of like how I'm being judged or mm. looked at or whatever. And so I'm just going to go way deep into talking about sex, you know, like I'm mm. just going to put it like out there as a, as almost like a defense. But it, then I ended up like, why am I t- up here? Like talking about like fucking, like, I don't even want to be doing that, you know? Huh. So I don't know. It wasn't optimum. Maybe if I did it for a few more years, I'd land on like that. Like, hey, did you notice the cereal boxes? Like, I'd be yeah. like, but um, yeah, I'm not there. <laughs> I mean, you know, we talked about risk before. I mean, to yeah. me, like, what bigger risk can a writer take than to say things out loud and either get or not get the instant gratification you're supposed to get? Like, how many writers do I think I know that could do that? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how oh, many. Oh, every you could do it. It's not you know. But hum- But I mean, you know, there's such a, there's such a demand on humor. Yeah. Like when yeah. you're up there, it's like you better be fucking funny. Oh, like, there's to- you no got- patience. Michael, that is the absolute tone <laughs> of so many open mics that I went to. Mm-hmm. It's just like bare. It's like you can feel the hostility from ten feet. It's just like, what the fuck do you have to tell me? You know, like, <laughs> right? it's like, oh, my God, it makes reading seem so genteel. Yeah, you know? right? It's so yeah. much different than a literary reading. Oh, no my one, God. People are there to be patient, yeah. right? Like, that's just yeah. the understanding of it, I guess. I mean, and if you're not there to be patient, you just shut up about it, right? Like, you yeah, know, you just let yeah. your mind wander off. And oh, <laughs> totally. Yeah. But it's admirable to me. That's so admirable to put yourself in that situation. Did, when you stopped doing it, were you like, was it was it overwhelming? I guess in the way that like doing a magazine was overwhelming, and you're like, no, I got, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, it was kind of yeah. I mean, it was sort of like um, I had. I felt like I learned enough to know that I didn't know how to write a joke. You know, that's really like. <laughs> but how long? Not, I mean, you, you could have given. I took two time. two rounds of classes with like ten sessions each, so mm-hmm. like twenty weeks. You know, like mm-hmm. half a year. Like not. You know, this isn't like a. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get a bachelor's or anything, but um, it was enough to know, like, a, I don't know what I'm doing, which is important, mm-hmm. and then enough to know, like, okay, this is what a joke is supposed to be structured like, and at that, and then my sort of like, the writing for, like kind of picked up, and I thought, it just didn't. Yeah, it didn't. I felt like I needed to focus on what I was making rather than talking about sex in front of strangers who yeah. hated me. Right. Yeah. Because there is, a, I mean, in the many ways they relate, there's a lot of ways stand up and writing don't. Yeah, I guess right. it's wise to say, let me just work it out yeah, <laughs> on the project because exactly. I'm going to yeah. have to work it out on the project anyway. Right, yeah. Um, I think about your work and kind of, you know, you said this um, earlier. It's like it's so hard for a book to really make you laugh. And oh, I love to, to hear at least what you have learned <laughs> about how to make somebody do that on the page wow. or if it's still so mysterious to you and intuitive. Well, I mean, the, like the stuff I've learned is pr- like just simple sort of crafty stuff, you know, um, words with, I mean, you can get like half of the shit you can like get from like Gary Gallman's like Twitter. It's like <laughs> words with K are funnier than words with S, you know, like, <laughs> fuck is funnier than like you know mm-hmm. salmon why i don't know it just is you know <laughs> and uh, and i you know the setup like if you got to put the like funny bit at the end like i mean it's i don't I, I think about this a lot like what ultimately like i want to go in the direction that i think is funny and 
um, because what else, you know, what other GPS do I have? Yeah. Is it a sense of the absurd in a way? Yeah, but there's also, I mean, just for, for me, like, I do feel like it's related still to poetry in the, in the sense of like, mm. this is what I see as the truth, you know, you can, it, it's the same thing. Like, um, you know, I contain multitudes is like half a step from being a joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Like, like it's, if he had just pushed it, you know, a little, a little <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like it's this. Right. It's he would a, just need a contradiction after that. Yeah. I mean, right. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. It's the same impulse of like, I want you to follow me here to this thing that I'm seeing, you know, mm -hmm. and comedy, like, I guess that's like when you talk about the accessibility of my work, which is something that I love, like, um, I feel like that's something comedy I love about comedy is it's like you don't get anywhere by like, I mean, if Andy Kaufman aside, you know, like you don't get anywhere by being an asshole to your reader. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like you, you know, you want to be like kind and you want to show them warmth and you want to like, how do you want to be treated? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you, why is be making them feel stupid, like a positive? I don't really get it. Yeah. I guess in like a non-funny work of literature, the payoff is the emotion whatever emotional resonance yeah, or whatever yeah and then in the forefronted like comedy the payoff is the laugh right like why does it feel so good <laughs> why does yeah. it feel so much better <laughs> in some yeah. ways you know to right. experience that laugh which may be harder to get right well it's like yeah it's the reason that like comedy is like down market is that comedy is people don't trust it you know tragedy is like you know li literature loves tragedy because it's you know it's more it's intellectual it's highfalutin it makes you cry you know comedy is just like guys over there talking about farting you know what i mean <laughs> like mm -hmm. that doesn't yeah i don't know but i i think for me yeah it's that's where the action is i love it yeah what do you think, um, I don't know, why is it so important for you in a way to make people laugh? Is it, do you feel like it's, it's important? To, I mean, it seems like it is an important thing. It's rewarding. I mean, I guess that's it. Like I've been, you know, I've, I've been writing for a long time. Like, what do I, I mean, you know, we're all going to die. Like, what's the fucking point? You know, <laughs> right. like, let's like, I love laughing with people. It's community. It's, um, and it's exactly opposite of that sort of, you know, my wound of origin wound of like mm. solitary, like, uh, you know, it's like, I am together with a community of people who understands this crazy thing. It's like super, super attractive to me. Yeah. I'm, I kind of, when you were saying, a little bit of that. I was thinking of that Vonnegut line about the Beatles. Do you know in Time Quick where he's like no. the point, the point of art. I'm probably botching this paraphrase. But like the point of art is to make you feel grateful for being alive, like just a little bit. Totally. And he thinks of and he tries to think of like the artists who did that. And yeah. He says the Beatles did. I mean, there's a lot. Well, more he's he, wrong. He could have said. No, he's yeah. not. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't like the Beatles because you're the punk. You're in the punk. You were the punk scene. Oh no. I was a I Beatles don't... guy. <laughs> yeah, the Beatles are good. But I love, I mean, Vonnegut, like speaking of like someone whose voice was like to die for. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's like the place of darkness. He pushed so much of his writing. It 
somehow makes the funny funnier. Totally, <laughs> you know, totally. In its ways. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It makes the yeah. levity just pay off mm -hmm. in just, you know, beautiful ways. Much like your work. <laughs> but um, let's talk more about the means. So the means. Let's, let's talk about, so wait, it's like, this is a book about money and the Hampton and the <laughs> Container's Home and, and Practical Desire and yeah. just our inability to be happy yeah. <laughs> with who we are, what we have. Exactly. Guess, and that desire that kind of we were talking about pro propels us into, you know, propels us Crazy into the, behavior. To the absurd. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and all of this is communicated through the narrator of Shelley Means, who we talked about briefly. But I wonder if you would talk about some of the maybe elements of your life that helped you create Shelley Means. You know, the first time, I guess, for you um, creating a, an invention Mm -hmm. You know, I imagine that there relied, you relied some of on yourself to spin into something, oh, you know, sure. and at other times we're ready to completely grab, <laughs> grab yeah. from, grab from nowhere. And I did, I did in another interview hear that you do have a shipping container. Yeah, yeah. In the Hamptons and, and there are, you know, there is, there is not Frank in the book, but there is a Frank like <laughs> character, I suppose. And yes. the kids, not your kids, but they're there. Yeah. So yeah, I wonder yeah. if you would talk about kind of pulling from yourself to create Shelley. Yeah, I've been, oh, I mean, I don't feel like there's a reason to hide the fact that I have a shipping container beach house. Cause it's it kind of like... made the book better for me, even after I didn't think it could be better for me. <laughs> Aww. Well, I'm glad to hear that, but it's like, it's not, yeah. I mean, it's not a memoir. It's, um, I took my knowledge of how that happened, you know, to make this thing like, and, uh, um, it's in, you know, I'm I've, like architecture design building is like, I'm kind of a lurker with all that stuff. I love it. And, um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was an interesting, and it gave away, gave me a way to write about, you know, money and the Hamptons, mm -hmm. and which was, of course, like something that was super attractive. And then I guess it's kind of ripe for humor. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have written about, you know, the Hamptons as sort of like a, the playground of billionaires, blah blah blah. But like, I wanted to make Shelley kind of like you know, not like an evil billionaire. Like she's yeah. just sort of like a, you know, she's, she's kind of hard to locate. Like I, she, I wanted to write about money in a way I hadn't seen, like to put it in briefly. And so, yeah, she's kind of like an under, like a rich, like an underdog rich person. <laughs> and um, so she became like, you know, she was very fun. And because she's completely monomaniacal in a way that although I, you know, I was not monomaniacal in, you know, my experience of building a house out of shipping containers was very different from Shelley's. Yeah, because the obsession, you need an obsession to drive the plot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does the character want? Yeah, like a fiction <laughs> 101. But um, it was very, yeah, it was very fun to make her like just you know, batch it. And, um, in a way that I could certainly relate to wanting things, you know, God, of course, who can't. Yeah. And was it fun to write? Like, you know, when you think about the experience of writing it over time, like, was it, was it fun to see where you would take her? Like, I guess, um, I want to know how much you surprised yourself, I guess, in writing it. I think of the first time, especially in this form, it might've felt 
so new in a way it might not feel again, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in some ways. So I wonder, I wonder, I would like to hear about some of those maybe joys or kind of places in the process where you were just like, ha ha, I'm doing it. Ha ha, this yeah. is great. Yeah, I mean, the problem with writing, as you know, is that you have to, like, you know, do 3,000 drafts. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's like after, you know, two, yeah, like after the first 10, you know, the other 2,000. Yeah, but I, I did feel um, the other thing I was sort of really obsessed with in the in this construction of it was just the I wanted it to go a million miles an hour. Like my um, that was really a goal, like. I didn't want, you know, idiophone was something that sort of required you to slow down and look at each line. And although I, I of course, I like it when readers pay attention to lines, <laughs> I, <laughs> I also wanted you to feel really propelled because I like that feeling when I read, yeah. like, I don't, well, especially in a novel. Yeah. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Why are, you know, why are you not throwing the book across the room? Because yeah, I mean, it's like that. Yeah. You it's want moving. <laughs> yeah. It's moving. I wanted that feeling. And so, um, yeah, there was, you know, it was fun to like, think, you know, to have hijinks and to have it go like different places and to be allow her to just be bananas. And yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think about um, the mice in Idiophone and all the fun you have with them in that book. And then I think of Twix, <laughs> <laughs> the dog right? Uh, in this book. Um, and Twix is the same breed as your dog, right? Yes. I've seen it. Twix <laughs> is my dog. Twix is my oh, dog. Oh, is your name? Is yes. Twix your dog's name I want too? you to know that I've, yes, is that Twix was in the manuscript was named Snickers. That was her name uh -huh. for a long time. And, um, I was talking to John Hodgman about the manuscript and getting notes from him. And I admire his work a lot. And when he, Twix jumped on my lap and when I introduced him to her, he was like, oh, you have to change the name. <laughs> Twix is yeah. so much better. And so I was like, well, <laughs> I guess you know what you're doing. You... <laughs> so I took that note from him. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the dog in the book is set, I, I, I'm almost at risk of a spoiler. Oh, just spoil it. Nobody it okay? cares. Yeah. The book takes its most absurd turn when the dog starts talking. But I love the way you handle it. It's so funny the way you handle it because you because you kind of come out. Or Shelly, I guess, <laughs> comes out of the book is like, you might think I'm saying that the dog is like metaphorically talking or that I'm imagining that the dog's talking. But no, the dog is actually talking like this. You need to understand that this is actually happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and it takes it takes such a turn um, and it's such a it's such a joy. But and I also see it as a writer as such a risk. Right. And thinking back to um you know the value of that in your work and it's uh, i guess in a way a similar risk as the mice uh in idiophone um but the way that you kind of come out and think against how you think we're supposed to be thinking of the book and tell us how you're supposed to think the book and 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 basically just like yeah the unreality is the reality like that's just the way this is going to be and there's no other way that I want you to read it. This is how you're reading it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's such it's such a bold move. Uh, one of my favorite moves in your work right up there with coming back into eight with Gravedigger, <laughs> which are two just I look at those and I'm like, just wow. Um, and 
It makes me think of that great quote from Mike Nagel in the review column he did of yours that I know that you're aware about. And he says that the novel is an absurd, life is absurd. And then I, I'm paraphrasing at this point. But he says, like, kind of the talent is making us feel in on the joke of a ludicrous situation. And I think Mike was very astute to see that thread mm. through all your work, the nonfiction, you know, and the fiction. And when I think about him saying that, and I think back to my question of, oh, why go to a novel? In like that context, it seems that's the only next step. <laughs> like, where else are you gonna go? Like from your own ludicrous POV or your POV of a ludicrous situation into all the other possibilities of this ludicrous situation. Like that's where you live, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Like you're just kind of floating out into space now. Yeah, yeah, it had to be done. Yeah, I just wonder if you talk a little bit about that move, I guess. You know, was it something that was just instinctual to you or you had drafts and after a while you thought about it and you're like, I am not going to let the reader like push this away. Do you mean Twix talking? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. What, yeah. 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 Uh, what like I'm not going to let the reader push this away. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell them what this book is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like it was either a move you probably made without thinking at all <laughs> or a move you had to have run through your mind so many times. Well, I guess. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I do feel that. Um, I mean, that is something I learned from Idiophone, which was like, I, I thank God for editing. That's like what I think. <laughs> like it makes the, you know, you take a risk, but then you can always cut it later. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right, right. so I do like stuff that, um, I do like stuff that doesn't apologize or dance around shit or just, you know, like I like the commitment I do. So I wanted the moral center of the book. It was like, there was no, it had to be Twix. Like there was no <laughs> other per, you know, it couldn't be really human because nobody else could see every human in the book, like is kind of crazy. And so she would be the only one who would be able to say like, you know, you're really acting like an idiot, you know, like, <laughs> so it was like, yeah, let her say it, you know, let her have that space. Yeah. And, you know, another thing about your work that I think is part of the humor of it, but just part of also just the great sense of structure I think you have is the callbacks. Mm. That book has so many centerpiece jokes, like in the first quarter, and then they all come back in perfect timing at different times and are combined. I was just like in awe oh. <laughs> when I was reading it because I think... And I think it has a direct relationship to your threading mm. in your other books, right? It's a different kind yeah. of threading, a different kind of emotion that you're threading through. But I just saw that skill in the book with the jokes as being completely related to that. But I wonder too, like, you know, thinking about jokes, how they pay off or don't, or how they become more pleasurable through repetition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did you manage, like, what do you keep? What do you cut? I imagine there were more jokes than made it. Right? Oh, yeah. I, I, think about, I think about Mike Nagel's book, right? Which I know. Yeah, which you know you intimately. And were nice enough yeah. to blurb. Oh, that and book's amazing. And I think about how, uh, how many jokes there even were before uh, editing. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, anyway, I'd love to hear you talk about the process of, yeah, like, keeping jokes, cutting jokes, and which ones to expand mm -hmm. in a meaningful way, like, throughout the book. yeah. I mean, I feel like, yeah, that's where the, you know, that's where the craft is. Like, it's just that 
Um, I mean, in comedy, like in every Netflix special, it's almost like it's getting annoying now, almost like I wish they would stop it. You know, like the stand up at the very end, there's some like little callback, like to something you heard in the first three minutes. And it's like, if that doesn't happen, you know, you feel kind of, an, I mean, I don't know if I haven't seen it happen because it's just such a, it's like, we need it so badly. We need that, that we need that. Yeah. We need the bow on, we it's need like the, the bow harmony. on the special. Hit the harmony. So <laughs> I like, you know, I love like repetition. I love that lyricism. I love that stuff, but I'd want it also. I mean, I don't, you know, you don't want it. You just, you want it to feel a little off. You want it to, I want it to feel a little off and a little fresh and it's not fresh if it's like you're expecting it. You know, that's the, that's, you know, another, like the aggression of comedy is that, yeah, you have to sucker punch them when they're not looking, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. that's how it works. You know, and, you know, in addition to the threading, I think about the way that the book is broken up into its like seasons or like the, the part of the seasons mm -hmm. um, and how, you know, one, it creates the passage of time, but it also breaks it up into its structure, like a mm -hmm. three or five act structure, whatever it is, which I feel like uh, the book is in a way traditionally plotted, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and, and moves through those, you know, things, you know, in sections, the way that you want a novel to propel you <laughs> I think mm -hmm. when most people want to read read a novel and I was wondering if you talk also a little bit about structuring the novel which I in some ways to me has got to be the hardest <laughs> it's got to be the hardest part uh in some ways you know do you see it as as the more challenging part of the novel or was it something that didn't take you know too much yeah no for you? no I I definitely felt like um that's what I learned. I learned how to, you know, build a story, like a traditional story. Like there was a reason why, like structurally, you know, it, it's, I didn't take any, I, there's nothing weird and experimental, no kooky line break, you know, no, I mean, the, the experimentation is in the subject and in the, um, in the telling, but in terms of the form, it's right. a house that I hope it stands and is not mm -hmm. leaky, you know, yeah. and I, I, I did, you know, the circle is a lovely storytelling structure. You know, there's <laughs> a million people who've written all kinds of stuff on the internet, you know, so I liked, I wanted it to loop back like that. And, um, yeah, I like the way it, it begins and ends and that on was, lists. I list, man. I love what's who doesn't love a good list? Why yeah, so satisfying. Oh, they're so satisfying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think about the, you know, uh, people in like crafting a novel talk about like first image, last image, or also in movie, mm -hmm. where, you know, the first image, last image of the book is almost, ident <laughs> almost identical yeah. in its weird way. I mean, it's an evolved version of the of the first thing. Like we've ended, like you said, we've ended where <laughs> Where we begun. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I loved, I, I kind of loved the starting with a list thing because we were talking about, you know, the fiction 101, got to give them what they want. And in the very first list, we know what we need to know about what's going to be the engine for Shelley Means. Yeah. You know, yeah. in the whole novel. Was that to you? Did you, I almost think of it as just as like brilliant shorthand. Like, mm. <laughs> did you, did you, like for speed, like for the sake yeah. of speed? Yeah. Know, it's almost, 
this is a weird connection in my head that I'm making right now. I, I just thought of the catcher in the rye, like none of the David Copperfield kind of crap. Like mm -hmm. here's right. just like, here's the story. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess in a way the list kind of functioned like that for me. Like let's do without the bullshit. Here's what I want. Right. Exactly. Which is, all, uh, yeah. But that's also like capitalism. Like <laughs> here's my Christmas list. Right. You know, like, oh my God, yeah. yeah. Object, object, object. Yeah. Was, was that a, uh, like, formal thing in your head like with form you're like i want to start this book with a list yeah like, how did that hit the page well i feel like it was also a um you know you because you i mean the terror and horror of writing an opening sentence like you just want to kill yourself <laughs> like come on it's horrible <laughs> so like somehow making a list like just takes this you know it took the stakes out of it for me hmm. and also for those reasons like it it made sense for the material, yeah. you know, and it stopped me having to like write some bullshit. Like there was a, you know, patch of grass that was shimmer. I mean, whatever the fuck we're supposed to be doing. I don't know. <laughs> I just, yeah, mm -hmm. it was a sidestep. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm asking, I guess I've been asking a little bit of process rather, I guess structure and process, but um, I did, I did wonder in some ways how different did the process feel for you overall compared to writing the nonfiction books or has every single book's process felt different for you regardless of genre? Yeah. I mean, everyone has felt different. I would say that like the pharmacist mate and a were most similar and that it was like, I am going to do this weaving thing that I don't understand that feels <laughs> very satisfying. Like I wasn't, you know, like those two books are, I wasn't even trying to redo anything or my goals were not, it was just like, yeah. So since the, since then though, like with each project I've sort of tried, like I've had a different set of goals and certainly with the means, it was like, how the fuck do you make a story? Like what, you know, it was difficult. Like how, because there's some, I mean, you, again, you want to make yourself happy and it's like, this is, yeah, it's hard to write a fucking novel. That's what I learned. <laughs> it's hard to tell a joke. It's hard to write a novel. Like there's mm -hmm. a reason why they take years, you know, cause you're, it's like, yeah, it's miserable. Are you feeling like you want to do it again? Of course, of course. <laughs> cause I'm a nut job. <laughs> and so you're probably still reading lots of novels. And I know last time we talked, you're, you know, obviously you're writing a novel, so you're reading lots of novels. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Are you so are you still in novel mode or do you feel like you kind of put yourself through like a novel reading boot camp to write the book and now you're not as like, oh, I have to read all these novels? Well, I'm definitely like my reading. I let myself like read all over the place. Like I try not to be like, oh, this is junky or this is, you know, I just let myself read what I want to read. And um, because I think you can get pleasure from anything, you know, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, like I like. Okay, you know, it was fun learning how to build a story. I would like to try it again. I would like to satisfy other, you know, desires and yeah. You don't have to talk specifically about it, but is the thing you're working on is it another novel or are you just not oh, sure? Oh yeah. Yet? Yeah, no. Now I'm like I'm now I'm like I've I've you know, I had the taste and now I'm I'm screwed. Yeah. Do you feel the goals the same? Like no. I want to make a funny book or if, oh, you, if probably, you're okay talking about it, what do you yeah. feel like the goal is? Well, I think that it's still coming. It's still 
exploring it, but like I do like, I like to sit, you know, I started with my grief book and like gradually over time, like my books are getting funnier. And so <laughs> I think that it's, you know, just, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still interested in comedy and, uh, I don't see that going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what about poetry? You know, I know you started there and I know that it's a, you know, a big part of your reading. And I can't help but notice you've never published a book of poetry. So my question yeah. is to you, is there an, an Amy Fusselman oh, poetry collection God. and can I publish it? Oh, <laughs> hell yes. Hell yes. I'm going to be knocking on your door with that manuscript. That yes. would be a thrill and an honor. Yeah. Do you, do you still work on, do you still work on poems? Like, do you, is it like a exercise or like a way to relieve yourself from writing a novel or is it just so, is it spontaneous? I guess if, and when you do no, like a poem I feel, these days. Yeah. I'm very like goal driven. And so it's so, you know, so I can only really handle like one project at a time. Although, you know, there's billions of notes, as you know, that don't get into the finished product and what that looks like or what form it is. Like, I have no idea, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Poetry now kind of scares me. I feel like the stuff that I was suspicious of when I called myself a poet, I'm still suspicious of. And I was right to move toward to be like, I don't know where the fucking line break should be. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to write nonfiction. Mm. Like that was the right choice for me. You know, mm. um, I've always felt weird, even when I was little or younger. I always felt weird about calling myself a something. Oh, to totally. Say I was a writer. Yeah. Or a, I still am like weird about it. Do you uh, feel like, do you feel like a novelist now? Like, do oh you feel like I put on no. the novelist hat <laughs> or, no. do you, or do you not know what you are? <laughs> I don't know what I am for sure, but definitely not a novelist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. That's my conversation with Amy Fusselman. I 100% recommend you go check out her novel, The Means. Or if you're not feeling like a novel, one of her previous four books. I highly recommend all of them. And don't forget to check out our books too over at autofocuslit.com books. If you'd like to support the podcast, a great way to do that is by buying one. Or a few. Or all of them. That'd be really cool. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. Till next time. <laughs>